What's up, everybody? I'm Josh Meek, the Uber Geek, and welcome to Pretty Dece, the weekly show about movies, comics, games, and all the pop culture in between. This is Pretty Dece Season 2, Episode 6, for the week of October 14th, 2019. Hopefully you are having a wonderful week as we roll into the middle part of October here. This year is going incredibly fast. Uh, I've enjoyed this past week because it's starting to finally get cold around where I am at, so I'm able to put on my flannels and my jackets and bust out the jeans and all those types of comfy type clothes. Uh, Unfortunately, this does signal that we are heading headfirst into snow season, which I do not enjoy, but this is the very brief uh, like four-week period of the year that I really enjoy the temperature as it is outside. And of course, this time of year also means we're getting very close to Halloween, which is always super fun. And then, of course, we're getting very close to holiday video game season. And that's less of a thing, I think, now than it kind of was five years ago, ten years ago. But it still is a thing. And a ton of video games come out towards the end of the year. And we're really kind of approaching right now into that area where things start to come out. And one of the game releases that I'd been looking forward to for a long time did come out this past week, and that's Killer Queen Black. I picked it up for the Switch, and and I haven't uh, dug into it enough to really give a full review, but thus far it seems very, very promising. So Killer Queen, if you aren't aware, is this... uh, this up-to-10-person arcade game. And it is a an arcade game that came out in 2013. So it's not a classic arcade game. Uh, it is this kind of weird new creation. And when it first came out, it was a game that you couldn't really do very well on consoles because it was up to 10 players, uh, really on, on a single screen. You can see everyone and everything on a single screen. And it is akin to a real-time strategy game but it is a 2d game you have a on each team you have a queen bee and you have workers and you can win in multiple ways so you can deliver these little balls back to your nest and that's an economic victory you can kill the opposing queen and that is a um that is a military victory or you can win by riding a snail across the screen to some goalposts on the other side. And of course, the goal is for your team to win in one of those ways while preventing the other team from winning in the same ways. So the game is super fun, very strategic, and it's one of those things that kind of spread by, by word of mouth. You Maybe you have a Killer Queen uh, arcade cabinet somewhere near you and you could gather up friends to go play it. Maybe you've seen it at a convention. That was the first place that I actually saw Killer Queen. Um, Or maybe you've just seen videos of it online or heard people talk about it but haven't had a chance to play it. So Killer Queen Black is now the home version of Killer Queen. It's taken this long for the game to come out on consoles. And this one actually has online play, which is the big, huge missing feature. Of course, with the the arcade version, you couldn't just play this game online. You had to assemble uh, 10 people. Now, the home version only goes up to eight people, but it still seems like it captures the Killer Queen experience thus far. Super, super fun. So I'll be playing a lot more of that in the coming weeks, but super excited. It's a great Switch game as well. It works really well, kind of handheld, laying in bed, something like that. It's got 
voice chat built in that's turned on by default, which is not something that you run into a ton in Switch games, but it seems to work super, super well. And at least the first people I've encountered so far in the game have been very nice, very excited to just be playing the game, chit-chatting about the game. Not your typical uh, online gaming community, if you will. So hopefully that continues to hold true. So really excited about that. Look into that if you enjoy unique arcade-like experiences. Uh, And if you get really into it, hit me up and we can play together. But that's just a little taste of kind of what I've been doing this past week. This was also a week filled with gaming news, so I want to jump into that stuff now. So let's hit that theme song. Pretty Dece, Pretty Dece, here we go. Facebook.com slash Pretty Show. It's time to geek out with Josh, your host. This week has been a pretty tough one for Blizzard Entertainment, the gaming giants, of course, behind uh, Overwatch and Hearthstone and many, many, many other games. After they received some some incredible, intense backlash on the internet, after banning a Hearthstone pro player for essentially voicing his support for the Hong Kong protests in his interview after winning a Hearthstone tournament. So if you don't know the the protests that are going on in Hong Kong, uh, deal with the relationship between Hong Kong and China. Hong Kong is a part of China, but it operates kind of semi-autonomously. So there was a new proposed amendment to extradition law that would have allowed suspected criminals to be extradited to China. Uh, And and people thought that that would give China, of course, much greater control over Hong Kong and the people of Hong Kong. Due to that, these protests have been going on for several, several months now. And people like Blitzchung wanted to show their support for the protesters of Hong Kong. So he won this uh, this Hearthstone Grandmasters tournament, and in the post-game interview, he appeared on stream uh, wearing a gas mask, uh, which is something that the protesters in Hong Kong are wearing, kind of has become sort of a symbol of the protest, and he shouted, Liberate Hong Kong, revolution of our time. Now at that point, the broadcast quickly cut away from him. And uh, Blizzard has pulled video of that offline. You can't find it in any official uh, channel, but of course it's the internet, so you can find it uh, very easily if you want to see video of this happening. And then Blizzard announced that it wanted to, uh, its, its plans were uh, to suspend Blitzchung and not only suspend him from professional play of Hearthstone, but also strip him of his prize winnings. So everything that he won from the tournament, the Grandmasters tournament. And in addition, they fired the two uh, casters, the two interviewers uh, that hosted the interview with Blitzchung. So they took away his money, they uh, suspended him for a full year, and fired the two people that were interviewing him. Now, Blitzchung himself says that he knew there would be negative consequences but he wanted to contribute to the protest that Hong Kong is having right now. So he knew there, there would be backlash, still stood up for what he thought was right. In the wake of all of this, as I said, the internet really kind of rose up and um, were very, very angry, to put it lightly, with Blizzard and, and with their stance and with their policy here on this banning and the stripping of this prize money. 
many people saw this as not just um, a penalty for breaking Blizzard's rules, but as an example being made of Blitzchung. Um, written into the Hearthstone tournament rules, there is essentially um, a, a statement that you have to uphold yourself in a, a manner uh, suitable for Blizzard. So uh, when you first read that, you see like, oh, I guess I can't, you know, go on my my stream afterwards and start shouting, you know, horrible, horrible things and using curses and using derogatory terms. I have to, you know, behave in a way that is that is fitting of someone who is somewhat representing Blizzard as a winner of an official Hearthstone tournament. However, Blizzard's kind of lumping this show of political support of a protest under that banner and saying that that's not what they're looking to promote on their streams. They want to keep things uh, fair and open for everyone. So with that, they banned Blitzchung and took these actions. Players, of course, on the internet now are hearing this and seeing this and thinking that this this is the, the, the punishment doesn't fit the crime, essentially. And because of um, because of Blizzard's interests and their investors that come from China, people are saying that Blizzard was was using Blitzchung to make an example of him so others wouldn't do a similar thing, wouldn't try to uh, do a same thing as as he did and use a Blizzard stream or use their platform as a professional Hearthstone player or, or professional Overwatch player, for example, to show this kind of political support. Now, when I talk about Chinese investors, I'm talking about Tencent. Maybe you've heard of that company. They're a Chinese media company that have their hand in kind of everything. So Tencent owns a very large stake of Epic, and they also own a 4.9% stake in Activision Blizzard, which doesn't sound like a huge percentage, but is worth around $2.5 billion, apparently. And because of that, people think that the motivations of Blizzard are somewhat guided by Tencent and their Chinese investors. So this backlash has continued and has grown stronger over the course of the week. Blizzard has finally responded. And we'll, we'll discuss the response here first, but, but basically what they've done is they have reduced the ban for Blitzchung from a year to six months, and they've given him back his winnings. So he's no longer being stripped of his winnings. He will have the money that he won. And they have reduced the, uh, the penalty on the streamers as well. So they are banned for six months, uh, just like Blitzchung, instead of kind of indefinitely for the two of them. Um, this statement came from Blizzard themselves, and uh, specifically from Blizzard president J. Allen Brack. Brack said essentially that over the past few days, many players, casters, esports fans, and employees have expressed concerns about how we determined the penalties. We've had a chance to pause, to listen to our community, and to reflect on what could have been done better. In hindsight, our process wasn't adequate and we reacted too quickly. All of this is in service of another important Blizzard value, play nice, play fair. In the tournament itself, Blitzchung played fair. We now believe he should receive his prizing. We understand that for some, this is not about the prize, and perhaps for others, it is disrespectful to even discuss it. That is not our intention. So they go on to explain their sort of uh, reeling back of, of the punishment, and they issue a lot of platitudes about how 
their their statements and their 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 uh, their corporate goals are all still true and they still stand up for them and any political opinion expressed on their show they would have taken this action it wasn't about his particular uh, viewpoint and it's making it safe for everyone to play and to be involved so some of that is true and, and yes he technically did here break the rules which he knew going in he knew that something like this would receive negative um, uh, feedback of course from Blizzard he might get in trouble he did do it anyway, so he knowingly broke the rules. But at the same time, I, the, again, I agree. The punishment was incredibly, incredibly harsh. Blizzard needed to respond to this. But this response that they've come back with feels very weird. I, I, I kind of expected them to reel this back a lot farther, come out and say, because of the, the flurry of, of angry messages and, and just angry sentiment coming from their fans I expected them to say kind of hat in hand hey we made a mistake listen we we know you've lost faith in us hopefully we can restore it we will try to do better next time you know we want to make this a safe place for everyone and and on and on I thought that they would be much more apologetic and sort of much more acknowledging of a mistake that they made but instead, this entire message kind of read to me like they were explaining to me, like I was a child, what actually happened. And that now he did still break the rules, so he should still be punished. But listen, you guys are mad, so we're going to throw him a bone and still, still give him his prize money. And it didn't come across like they realized that they had done enough wrong, if that makes sense to you. So it'll be interesting to see. This is a pretty fresh statement just got issued here uh, just a little bit ago at the time of this recording. So it'll be interesting over the course of this week to see what people think and to see if this response is going to be enough to kind of calm the fervor and uh, settle the masses down or if it continues to see if people think that this reduction in sentence, if you will, is going far enough Um or if people are still mad, you know, I, this this led to people canceling uh, their WoW subscriptions. This led to people deleting their Blizzard accounts, and obviously, fervor on the internet whips up incredibly fast and dissipates even faster. So, Blizzard probably thinks, "Hey, we addressed it. We made it a little bit better. It'll all blow over." And honestly, that probably is what will happen. But it'll be very, very interesting to see if this kind of tepid um, uh, response from Blizzard, sort of even-keeled, not going too far, not admitting too much fault, is going to appeal to these masses. We will certainly see. Sony has been out talking about their next-generation console for a little while now. It's been no secret that it's coming. Uh, certainly, Microsoft is also talking about theirs. We got the kind of first details about their uh, Project Scarlet, the codename for the next Xbox uh, at E3. And uh, Sony sat down with Wired a while back to kind of give some details about the next PlayStation. They went back to Wired this past week to give some more firm details about this console. And the biggest detail is that it is officially called PlayStation 5. Everyone expected that going in, but 
curveballs have certainly happened before. You know, look at the naming scheme of the Xbox. We had Xbox, Xbox 360, Xbox One. Who knows what the next Xbox is going to be called? Uh, So, you know, someone could have suggested, hey, maybe the PlayStation gets just called PlayStation. Maybe it gets some other weird name. But Sony's keeping to their normal, standard, traditional, predictable, lovely naming scheme, uh, PlayStation 5. And the other huge detail is that they officially confirmed it will be released in time for holidays 2020. So towards the end of next year, essentially, is when we will see the PlayStation 5. So in, in addition to the name, of course, and the general release date, We got a bit more details about the console itself and the controller that will come with it. So Mark Cerny, who is the system architect uh, behind the PlayStation 5, um, first wanted to clear up in this interview uh, how the PlayStation 5 was going to do ray tracing because after they talked about that the first time, some people thought it might be kind of software level, uh, but really it's going to be in the graphics hardware. So at the GPU level is where they're going to do their ray tracing. So just like the super high-end graphics cards now in PCs are the only ones that can do ray tracing, uh, the PS4 will be able to do it also in a hardware-level way. So what ray tracing does, if you aren't aware, uh, really helps them deal with lighting in games and, and lets them draw the light rays in more realistic ways. They're no longer putting a light texture on a surface to simulate the look of light, They're actually emulating, or simulating rather, real lighting models. Light will bounce off of things in normal, predictable ways. And it is uh, both a subtle but a really, really striking difference when done correctly. So games uh, having it and kind of having support for it at the hardware level on PS5 is going to be a pretty big feature that hopefully Microsoft also uh, comes out and supports and supports well. In addition to the ray tracing, they talked a bit more about the PlayStation 5's solid-state drive. We knew that that was coming. Every PlayStation 5 will feature a solid-state drive. That'll save some crucial space and will, of course, speed up the PlayStation 5 in terms of of loading and and booting up these games. Um, Knowing that 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 solid-state drive is, is going to be there on every PlayStation 5 means that game developers can take advantage of it, which is uh, really, really great. We also found out that PlayStation 5's physical games, it still is going to have physical games. That's an important thing to note, of course, for a, a game console coming out in 2020. They'll come out on 100 gigabyte optical discs, and the drive on the PlayStation 5 will also double as a 4K Blu-ray player, so it'll play all of your 4K Blu-rays that you probably haven't purchased because they all cost $30, and who's spending $30 on a movie? But I digress. Uh, The PlayStation 5 also, I think, in in maybe the most interesting point for me in this whole article, is that it'll allow allow you to customize the installation of each of your games. So the example that was given was that, you know, maybe they split up the multiplayer campaign and the single-player campaign of a game, and you only care about the multiplayer, so you're just going to install that, save the space, and not install the single-player. Or you install them both, you beat the single-player campaign, You want to keep playing multiplayer, so you delete just the single-player campaign and leave multiplayer installed. That is a pretty simple delineation between games, and that's going to be probably a common one for PlayStation 5. And it's also going to be 
game specific. So it's not like that's going to be built in inherent. The PlayStation itself is going to know, oh, these bits deal with multiplayer and these bits are single player. So it'll only be be, be implemented as well as the, uh, the developer themselves implement this. But it's certainly a cool concept and a cool thing to support. There are so many games that come out that have that exact same setup. You install a bunch of movies and stuff and have all the single-player content that takes up a ton of space on the disc, and then you play it for eight hours and you're done. Then you want to keep playing multiplayer for hundreds and hundreds of hours. That's the stuff that you want to keep around on the on that disc. And being a solid-state hard drive, it's going to be a bit more expensive, and it's probably going to be a little bit smaller than you would otherwise get with a normal hard drive. So space will be at a premium, and games are incredibly large now. So finding interesting ways to let us eke out as much space as we possibly can on this PlayStation 5 drive is really, really a smart approach. So I hope it works as well as as Cerny is, is discussing, and I hope that game developers take advantage of this and really divvy up their games in logical ways and in more than just single player and multiplayer. I hope that... I hope that I can start installing specific levels or, like in a racing game, only specific cars if that matters. Things like that. I think that that's uh, hopefully where that specific feature goes. And then finally, we got details about the controller. So everyone's assuming this is called the DualShock 5 because, again, keeping that traditional naming scheme, they did it for the console. They'll probably do it for the controller as well. But it doesn't officially have a name yet, according to Mark Cerny. But one of the features that they were showing off was what they were calling adaptive triggers. These triggers are designed to kind of adapt and behave naturally. Uh, so like if you're using a bow uh, or if you're shooting a machine gun, they will feel differently. And that's going to be kind of like a weird thing, having a trigger on a game on a controller that will give different resistance and feel different based on the... Uh, programming of the game, but it's genius. Obviously, um, a throttle in a car, a trigger on a machine gun, or you know, pulling back for a punch like some games might do, are all going to feel slightly different, are all going to require different feedback and resistance. It's going to be very cool for the DualShock 5 to support that. Obviously not something that if it, did, if it wasn't there, it wouldn't be a game breaker, but it's going to be one of those maybe little things that if Xbox doesn't do it, might be one of those things that kind of pushes you over towards Sony's side. Now, we don't know what games are coming out. We don't know what are going to be launch titles. We don't even know what this box is going to look like. But the PlayStation 5, the official name, will be out sometime around holidays 2020. And that's going to do it for Pretty Dece for today, everyone. Just a couple news stories, but some big hitting news there. Uh, Blizzard getting into some hot water uh, over a player banning. And the PlayStation 5 officially named. We officially know it's coming out next year. Uh, We can start looking forward finally to the next generation of consoles. And that's super, super exciting to me. If you want to check out all the past episodes of Pretty Dece, head on over to prettydeeshow.com. You can find them all there. Uh, Go back through that fun back catalog. Or if you prefer the video format, you can check out the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash prettydeece. Every episode of Season 2 here goes up in video form as well, if you prefer that ecosystem. 
We're also available to download on your favorite podcast delivery platform uh, or even on your Google Home uh, device or in your Google Assistant. We're everywhere at your convenience. You can also find me on social media. Let me know what you think about this news today, how excited you are for the PS5, or whatever you want to talk about. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Pretty Dece Show. <laughs>